Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for joining me. We had a lot to pick from this weekend. And, and not just here on the Wisco Sports Show, we try to cover a little bit of everything. We get the Packers, the Brewers, the Badgers, some pro sports, right? Some college sports. And we've been talking central basketball on Alaska basketball. We are blessed here in this area and in the Mississippi Valley Conference with some really good basketball. So we had that going on this weekend. We had UWL going on this weekend. They're having a tremendous season so far. The Bucks were playing. We had a ton of stuff going on. Oh, and by the way, not to mention... The Brewers are in the middle of uh, the hot stove time of the year, so we always have that swirling. So much to choose from, and I remember last time we talked on Friday, we were trying to figure out what are we most excited about? What are we prioritizing, right? Are we, are we still 100% locked in on the Packers? Matt LaFleur is trying to put together his staff, right? We had a bunch of NFL games going on this weekend, even though none of them involved the Green Bay Packers, not directly at least. Uh, all of those you could hear here on WKTY. So the championship games for both conferences are set. The Chiefs beat the Colts 31-13. They're going to move on, as are the Patriots. They killed the Chargers 41-28. to I have some more thoughts on that game coming up. So the AFC Championships game is going to be the Pats going to the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. And then uh, the Rams knocked off the Cowboys 30-22. to They advanced to play the Saints. Uh, they beat the Eagles 20-14 to in probably what was the most competitive I don't, I don't want to say the best game of the weekend. It, it depends on who you're cheering for and, and who you bet. Um, but that was the closest game. Uh, and, it, and every play mattered just coming down to the wire. So we have that to be thankful for. Those are your NFL games. Those were all on WKTY. We were checking those out this weekend. Now, the Badgers had a couple of games, including an overtime game on Friday night. They lost to Purdue. And we got to get into some Badgers basketball this year. I don't know what's going on. Actually, I take that back. I know what's going on. Uh, they can't hit free throws, so we need to talk more about that. The Bucks split a weekend pair between the Hawks and the Wizards. They played without Giannis on Friday night, couldn't take care of the Wizards without him, but they did exactly that, took care of the Hawks on Sunday. So all that's going on, and yes, of course, in the background, right, always moving are the Green Bay Packers, and, and Matt LaFleur is trying to put together his staff. A lot going on outside of Green Bay. In terms of putting staffs together, it looks like Kubiak is going to join the Vikings and Monken joined the uh, <clears throat> the Browns. I mean, a lot of pieces moving around, sitting idle in Green Bay right now. So so we'll have to piece that together as we get more information and more comes down the wire in terms of Lafleur and his coaching staff. Because right now there's not a whole lot going on, which tends me to believe, and, and you don't want to get too crazy with speculating, but leads me to believe that maybe Lafleur's eyeing up some people that are still on coaching staffs. Now, a bunch of teams and coaches are going to become available after yesterday, so maybe things start to heat up, right? Maybe. We don't know. Uh, but Lafleur's got to put his staff together, and, and that's obviously ongoing as well. So we had a lot to focus on this weekend. We can talk about it all. We're going to get into it, all of it, in some way or fashion today. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line, is wide open, as is Twitter, at WKTY. You can also uh, tweet at me, at Keystroker Grant, you want to check out my personal Twitter account, Grant Unfiltered, uh, and sometimes I get mad online. You can find that at Keystroker Grant. I don't know what I was most locked into this weekend, but I definitely watched the NFL games. I, To be honest, I was surprised that the Chiefs blew out the Colts in the way that they did. I think Andrew Luck and, and that Colts team who had just gotten hot and was playing great football just kind of ran into the better team finally. It just took them a couple of weeks. That game, I don't want to say it was boring, but the Chiefs ran away with it. The Cowboys and Rams game wasn't boring, but it wasn't necessarily close. I, I was amazed, and I was talking to Dave, who is hanging around today, 
Uh, I was talking to him, which I don't often get the opportunity to do about some of these games, trying to hear a different perspective. And we were both amazed at the way that the Rams just ran the ball down the Cowboys' throat. How satisfying was that? Assuming out there, and I know we have some Cowboys fan listeners, uh, so obviously you're not in this group, but I feel Packers fans, Vikings fans, once our teams are eliminated, we have a couple of priorities, and that's to cheer for the Cowboys to lose and cheer for the Patriots to lose. Well, we got one of those things this weekend, so good job. <laughs> we handled uh, we handled business as fans, and we took care of uh, the Cowboys. We can still hate on the Patriots next weekend. We took care of the Cowboys. They lose 22-30. to And that vaunted Cowboys defense that everybody has been propping up for weeks and weeks and weeks, it's just this fantastic defense, and it is. They have good players, but, I mean... The Rams had 200-yard rushers. C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley both just popped off. And I don't know what the Rams saw on tape, that they just came in confidently and run up the middle, run left, run right, and, and they ran away with the game 30-22. to I don't think that final score is indicative of how the game went. An impressive game on Saturday night. Then the game's on Sunday. Uh, we have the Chargers and the Patriots, which I actually want to talk about coming up here in a few minutes. Packers fans, and, and I guess by extension, we'll, we'll talk to Vikings fans and Bears fans as well. We, we take everybody here on the Wisco Sports Show. Everybody who's not a Patriots fan, what do we think of the Patriots right now? Are we amazed with their greatness and this stretch of consistent, sustained success? I don't know how I feel. Well, actually, I do know a little how I feel. We're going to talk about that coming up next. So if you're looking to get on board the show, you're looking to share an opinion and make your voice heard, I guess that's what I'll throw out. What do we think about the Patriots right now? You don't have to be a Packer fan. You don't have to be a Viking or a Bears fan. You can be any fan. Uh, Yeah, heck, you know what? Even a Patriots fan. What do we think of this team? Because they took care of the Chargers yesterday, 41-28. to And the narrative was fascinating, right? The Patriots dynasty is coming to an end on Sunday. The Chargers, who might have the best roster in the NFL, I believe they have the best roster in the NFL, coming into Foxborough, and it's finally time. It's finally time. The Patriots had been to seven straight AFC Championship games before this weekend, and they made it eight straight by absolutely blowing away the Chargers and the, uh, the Chargers. And if you follow me on Twitter... You'll know my thoughts on Philip Rivers. I'm not a huge fan. I think people have gone high and mighty on the Philip Rivers hype train this year. And we'll talk about this game. I want to talk about more coming up in a few minutes. So if you have thoughts on the Patriots, I hate the Patriots. I want to see them lose. But it's not just because I'm a hater. I mean, we'll talk more in detail. 608-796-2558. And then last night's game was was fun. The Eagles were up 14-0 to and driving and in danger of going up three scores and putting that game away. And then Nick Foles throws an interception, and the Saints in that loud Superdome down in New Orleans were allowed to kind of climb back into it. They end up winning 20-14. to And who knows how the game could have ended, because Alshon Jeffrey had a pass go right through his hands. The Eagles were finally starting to kindle something, get something going, get some sparks flying, and it looked like they had a little bit of momentum and maybe were trying to drive to win it at the last second, as would have been appropriate for this Eagles team and Nick Foles, right? But instead, the ball goes off of Alshon Jeffrey's hands, and it's intercepted, and that salts the game away. There's some storylines that we're going to touch in this game coming up later on in the show, so I'll leave it there. I'm not focused on the score, per se. I'm not focused on who won, but some players on both teams that are really pertinent to what the Packers have done the last couple of years, and I want to talk about that as well. But we first got to get to Patriots and Chargers. That's what I want to talk about, and Tom Brady and this whole Patriots situation. Because if you you haven't been paying attention, and if you don't watch the NFL closely, you probably turned the game off yesterday. Uh, I, I was watching the Patriots and the Chargers game at halftime. I was home this weekend uh, up in Menominee. I went ice skating with my mom and my brother because I'm like, this game, it's not interesting me in the slightest. I watched the first half and I said, I have all I need for tomorrow. If we need to talk about this game, I have all I need. So I didn't even watch most of the second half. I just waited on the night game. But if you have some thoughts, uh, that's what I want to get into coming up next. I also uh, was really keen Friday night on the Onalaska 
and the Central game, one team, Central specifically, ranked number two in the state by the AP. On Alaska was at four as of last Friday. Now we'll see what happens in the coming days as those adjust. I mean, we had the head-to-head matchup on Friday. Drew Kelly had the call on Friday night. On Alaska was defeated 56-74 to by Central at Central. But if you listen to the broadcast, a lot of On Alaska fans there. Obviously, a lot of Central fans as well. But you could hear the Onalaska contingent. And the game was very close. It was wire-to-wire. Now, in the second half, some things started to go Central's way. Onalaska couldn't hit a three. Stutley left uh, early with about 10 minutes left in the second half. One of Onalaska's better players because he picked up four fouls. If those two things go differently, Onalaska couldn't hit a three-point shot to save their life either. If either of those two things go differently, uh, that matchup could have gone differently. And the Mississippi Valley Conference... We could be thinking a lot differently about it this week. So we got to follow those teams as we go on as well. The Badgers lost to Purdue, like I said, in overtime at home, which was embarrassing because they could not hit free throws once again. And outside of Ethan Happ, there's not a player on this team that I trust right now in crunch time. Yeah, I said it. Even Brad Davison. Uh, and we got to talk about that. But first, coming up next, I want to get into this Patriots game. Because we are starved as Packers fans and Vikings and Bears fans now. Every team has been eliminated in some way, form or fashion. We're starved of a football of our own team, so naturally, we do what any good NFL fan would do, and that's cheer against the Cowboys and cheer against the Patriots. Well, we, like I said, we got our wish with one team. The Patriots moved on, and I just, I'm at, I'm at a loss for words about the Patriots. Unfortunately, for this job, I can't be at a loss for words, because right here on the Wisco Sports Show, I'm I'm the talker. I'm the, I'm the host, right? So we're going to talk about this. I have a couple of takes. I'm I'm so worn out by the Patriots, and I'll tell you what I mean. Obviously, I watched So I'm not worn out to the point where I'm not going to watch, but I want to have a discussion about exactly how we feel about the Patriots, especially as fans, I assume, in this area of the state who aren't New England fans. And probably, let's face it, we're probably NFC fans if we're living around here. I know we have a couple listeners who are Cowboy fans, but other than that, Bears, Packers, Vikings, maybe some Lions fans around here as well. That's the focus. So we're, we're not only looking at a team outside the division, outside of our own team and state, but outside of our conference as well. We can we can kind of watch from afar. I, I have some words to say about this matchup and about this team specifically. Yesterday, uh, the Patriots killing the Chargers, forty-one to twenty-eight, the final score. I want to talk about the Patriots, and we do got into Packers talk as well because there were a couple of tidbits from this weekend that affected the Packers or told us something about the Packers. And we'll talk more about that coming up next. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. You want to jump on board and hate on the Patriots with me? I'm not going to hate on the Patriots. I'm going to hate on some parts of the Patriots. I, I love some parts of the Patriots. We just have to dissect this whole mess. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show, I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. More to come here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a good night. As it's been, it's kind of a trend now. The last couple of weeks, news breaking during the show, so we're reacting in real time here, folks. The Packers now have their offensive coordinator. When we were starting the show, we were talking how Lafleur has to put together his staff and how we're waiting and, and, and trying to speculate on why it's taking so long, although he has only been a head coach for less than a week now officially. Well, now he has his man. I figured it was because he was eyeing someone who was on a staff uh, at least up until this weekend or maybe still in the playoffs because you can't interview, obviously, teams and coaches that are in the playoffs. Well, that couldn't, have been, that couldn't have been further from wrong. So the former Jaguars offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett is headed to Green Bay as the Packers are hiring him as their new offensive coordinator. Source said he'll absolutely challenge and engage Aaron Rodgers. That's Ian Rappaport at 5.07 p.m. So just about 15 minutes ago now, saw it over the break. And we'll continue. If there's more news, if there's anything else, I'll pass. I'll continue to pass it along. But we're going to have to uh, 
Well, we're going to have to wait for details and, and really play this as it comes. Tom Silverstein now tweeting, Hackett and Monken were the only two interviewed for Packers OC job after it became clear to Coach Matt LaFleur he wouldn't be able to pry his brother Mike or run game corner Mike McDaniel from the 49ers. Hackett is the guy, a source confirmed. So there you go. Monken and uh, and Hackett were the only two interviewed. Monken obviously ended up in uh, Cleveland, I believe. And so you take the other guy. Here we got Nathaniel Hackett. I always love that when when people tweet, he will absolutely challenge Aaron Rodgers. Well, how do you... <laughs> we don't know that, but that's the sentiment, at least from Ian Rappaport, who originally broke the news, it looked like. Uh, I didn't scroll all the way down, so maybe somebody else broke it. Who cares? They don't work here, so who cares? Uh, right now, we're talking about the Patriots and the Chargers game yesterday, not because it has anything to do with Wisconsin sports, but because it's fun. 608-796-2558. I have some strong words. I have some strong thoughts. You can believe it. Yesterday, or on Sunday, I should say, I was home. I was visiting my family up in Menominee, visiting my brother and sister, my mom and dad. So we went to church on Sunday morning. And all, all the way through church, is made me sound terrible. I'm like, are the Chargers actually going to do this? Are they actually going to go into Foxborough and and beat them? Oh, and also with you. And yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm going in and out of church trying to think about this game, right? Responding and, and singing along with the songs. And I'm like, God, I can't wait to get home. 12.05 kickoff. I, I just, I did not know how this game was going to go, but I had a couple and, and because here's the thing, because I didn't know how it was going to go. That's a, that's a statement in and of itself. It, let me explain what I mean. Okay. So the chargers and the Patriots were playing. If you had to say the chargers have the much more talented roster. Okay. They have the better running back in my opinion to Melvin Gordon, uh, Antonio Gates and Rob Gronkowski are now more similar than ever because Gronk is old. I'll take Keenan Allen and Mike Williams over Julian Edelman and, I don't know, Dorsett, Hogan, whoever the Patriots have. I like just about every position on the the Chargers offense more so than the Patriots. Oh, and by the way, the Chargers have depth in the backfield with guys like Justin Jackson and uh, Austin Eckler. They have, a, they have a good nucleus of talented skill position players on offense, and Phillip Rivers isn't half bad. You look on defense, I'd way rather have the Chargers defense. They have two top 10, maybe even top five pass rushers in this league in Bosa and in Melvin Ingram. I love their secondary, guys like Desmond King and Casey Hayward, great corners, and they have a lot of good defensive backs, including Derwin James, who might be the best safety in the league come a year or two. He's going to be the defensive player, a defensive rookie of the year, and he was all pro in his very first year. Gives him a lot of versatility to move Derwin James into the box. I mean, they're just a really deep team with a lot of talent, way more so than the Patriots, and yet here we are having this conversation, right? Because if it was any other team, you'd look at these two and you'd say the Chargers are way better at just about every position, and I'm going to pick them to win. But but, but nobody did. We're still like, well, the Patriots are going to win, right? There were some people who picked the Chargers, and I was like, are you kidding me? We, I, we just don't pick against the Patriots in Foxborough, in the divisional round especially. You look at this Chargers team, they're better at every position. Quarterback, whatever. I don't think Tom Brady is that athletic. I don't think his arm is that great. He's, he's a great quarterback, but he's not that much better than Phillip Rivers. The Chargers roster is incredibly talented, and it's deep, and you have great players at every position. And I'm still saying, I, I don't see how the Chargers go into Foxborough and win. I just, I just don't see it. And if any of you follow me on Twitter, at Keystroker Grant, or listen to the show routinely, we don't talk Chargers a lot, but I, I just don't like Phillip Rivers. I, I just don't think he is that good. This hype train has just been growing and growing this year that Phillip Rivers is, he's finally going to do, he's finally going to win a Super Bowl. Okay, win a second playoff game first, Phillip. You saw me tweet it out yesterday. I said Rivers has arguably the most talent, 
deep roster in the NFL, and this is the game we got, Hall of Famer, my ass. I just never bought into it. I don't think he's that good. He's an awkward throwing motion. He looks like he's throwing a pie. (laughs) That's what it looks like to me. His roster is so good. The Chargers are so good. And for most of Rivers' career, you could say, well, he hasn't been on a great team. He's been a victim of bad kicking and bad coaching. That roster might be the best roster in the NFL. I might take that roster over the Rams. I'd certainly take it over the Patriots. I actually think the Patriots roster is pretty similar to the Packers, and we've been hating on that roster for months. Like They have one good wide receiver that you like in Edelman, and I would take Devontae Adams over Julian Edelman. After that, neither team has much. Tight end is old, although Gronk did a great job blocking yesterday. I'll give him that. They lost their left tackle. They had injuries on the offensive line. And on defense, you like Gilmore on the outside. Other than that, you you like Hightower. You like a couple of these guys, but it just... It's not a great roster. There's not any big-name players. They just get it done. The Chargers have much better talent. They have much better players. And just the, 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 the Patriots still win. I, just, I don't get it. I, and yesterday, I was texting some friends during the game, and naturally, we're all cheering against the Patriots, right? Because we're human. We're fans of football that live outside Boston and New England, and obviously, we want to see them lose. They made their eighth straight AFC Championship game yesterday. And a lot of things go right for the Patriots. And I think Bill Belichick is going to go down as the best head coach in history of football, at least in this era. I don't know if you can compare Lombardi and can compare Belichick. I don't know if that's fair. But certainly of this era and probably of my lifetime, Bill Belichick will be the greatest head coach ever. And Josh McDaniels, I don't understand how. He just schemes guys open. How many contested throws did Brady have to make yesterday? Not very many. And past that, he didn't have to push the ball down the field a lot either. I mean, just guys wide open crossing the field. Dump outs, screen passes, right? Swing passes, shallow crossers, wide open. And they have the running game to complement it. Look, I, I and you know my stance on Brady. I don't think he's anything special. He is in a perfect situation. He has the best coach in NFL history, at least in this era. He's got an offensive coordinator that just jives with him. And he listens and follows and plays within that incredible system that they have set up inside the worst division in football, and it's been that bad now for just about 10 years. You get six free wins, five free wins in your division every year. You just have to win a couple of more. You're in the playoffs easily. You win your division, which makes it a lot easier to get a first round by, should your record just be good enough. This year it was. Win one game and you're in the AFC Championship game. You like you like your odds. I don't think that is because of Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is a cog in this system. And it's the best system I've ever seen created in professional sports. I'm only 20 years old, and I don't think there's very many 30, 40, 50, 60-year-olds who would say different. I mean, they just jive together. McDaniels and Brady. McDaniels schemes guys open, schemes reads open, and Brady takes them. He plays within that system because he knows it works. And I just it doesn't make any sense. Yesterday, you look at all the players on paper. You look at what we've seen this year. Look at historical precedent. The Chargers should have won that game. If you take the stickers off the helmets and you talk about Team A and Team B, the Chargers are exponentially better. Talented, they're better at 99% of the positions on the field. And the Patriots still won yesterday. And there were people who picked the Chargers. They're like, oh, it's Phillip Rivers' year. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure thing. He's going to go, he's now 8 and what, 0 and 8? 0 and 7 against Tom Brady in his career? Yeah, this is the year. <laughs> I just, I, I didn't see it. I don't pick games on this show because I think it's just filler. Nobody wants to hear me read down the matchups and give my thoughts because I don't know. 
None of us know. If I was great at it, I would move to Vegas and be a sports better. Listen to Dave and Scrady. Dave knows what he's doing. I don't. I, I just think that's filler. I think it's bad radio for me to say, hey, I'll take the Patriots this weekend because of this. But if I would have had to pick that game, there's no way I'm picking against the Patriots. Zero chance. Even though every single needle was pointed in the way of the Chargers. I just... I. And I'm going to cheer for the Patriots to lose this weekend because I don't want to see them in the Super Bowl. But we'll see how it goes. I'm just I'm just anti-Patriots. But you got to respect what they do. And you really do. I respect their coaches. I think Tom Brady is brilliant, and I think he's one of the smartest men alive because he realizes the situation that he's in. And if he just stays healthy and takes the easy reads, gets the ball out quickly, he's going to be able to have success in this system. Uh, well, right up until now, he's 41. He's still doing it. He's in another AFC championship game. It's it's really impressive to watch as much as I hate it. Uh, speaking of what I hate, Packers didn't make the playoffs this year. So we're watching the NFL playoffs minus the Green Bay Packers. And even when the Packers don't play, specifically yesterday, even when the Packers don't play, they still found a way yesterday to make fools of themselves and to look bad. I'll tell you what I mean coming up next. We have a lot more to cover, and I'll continue to pass along any news we hear about the Packers hiring their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. So anything that comes down, I'll keep you updated. Don't worry. You don't have to go anywhere. We are going to talk Packers coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to WKTY. <laughs> Thomas Morstead has punted more in this first half, and it's a fake, and it's a keeper, and it's a first down. So forget the Morstead punt. Taysom Hill, who does it all for this team, on the trickery. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, both at 96.7 FM and 580 AM. You can always stream live, WKTYsports.com, and on our mobile app as well. That was a little soundbite, a little play from yesterday's Saints-Eagles game. And if you've spent any time... Watching the Saints this year, you're very familiar with the name Taysom Hill. And maybe if you're a Packers historian, you have a great brain and you remember random guys the Packers have in training camp, you remember Taysom Hill as well. Now, I'm looking at the five-star telecom talking text line as well. And before we get into talking about Taysom Hill, I see Scott Stack saying, don't go there after the break. It's one of the absolute dumbest things I see Packers fans talk about. Please, for the love of Lombardi, don't perpetuate the stupidity. Well, Scott, I'm going to assume that you know and that you did know when you sent that text before the break that we are going to talk about Taysom Hill, and we should. We should absolutely talk about Taysom Hill. And I'm not just going to complain that the Packers let him go. That would just be whining to whine. We're going to get into more detail uh, than just that. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line, and you can make it just like Mr. Stack and make a call or a text on that line, also on Twitter at WKTY and at Keystroker Grant. Now, the Saints are one of the more balanced teams in the NFL, and I actually thought their defense was more impressive than their offense yesterday. They have a lot of young talent on that defense. And then in their offense, of course, spearheaded by Drew Brees. They have Michael Thomas. They have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, which might be the deepest backfield in the NFL. And then they have this, I don't want to say Swiss Army knife because it's so damn cliche and I hate it, but I'm going to say it is a Swiss Army knife in Taysom Hill. And if you're a Packers I don't want to say nerd, but if you if you have a good memory, you'll probably remember Taysom Hill, the BYU product, was in Packers training camp a couple of years ago. I believe it was two training camps ago. And he was a quarterback from BYU, and he was impressive. He looked really good, but he didn't fit the type of player that you would want to keep as a backup quarterback, especially in this Aaron Rodgers system and, and Brett Hundley, Mike McCarthy system, which is all about passing from the pocket. I mean, when was the last time the Packers had a guy who ran with the ball routinely? I mean, they brought Vince Young in, and that never worked. 
So it just showed that, I mean, they are a pocket-passing quarterback group. And instead, they retained other guys, and now we're down to Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle. But Taysom Hill, athletic, tough, hard-nosed, and the Saints have turned him into something of uh, a backup quarterback crossed with a running back, crossed with a wide receiver, crossed with Jeff Janis on special teams, both as a returner and a gunner and, and involved in fake punts and onside kicks. He does everything. And for those of you on Twitter, and the Taysom Hill conversation has been rolling the last 24 hours here because of the Saints game. He played a big role, secured a fake punt through maybe the best pass of the weekend, which was brought back because of a holding call, a touchdown to all, uh, Alvin Kamara have been saying, look at his stat line. He had two carries for 10 yards and and one pass thrown. I mean, don't get caught up in the stat line because we're smarter than that here on the Wisco Sports Show. Watch the game, watch the game unfold, and you can see value of players who don't necessarily light up the stat sheet. Taysom Hill is a great example. So the Packers a couple of years ago said, we don't have room for another quarterback. We got to cut him loose. And instead of finding a spot for him on the roster to do different things, as the Saints have done, they cut him loose. New Orleans snags him, and they have turned him into a useful player at just about every position. Now, here's my stance, because Scott chimes in on the five-star telecom and talk and text line and says, I don't want to talk about this. This is stupid. Don't go there. And I get where, Scott, you're coming from, because he's gone. The You can't do anything about it now. It doesn't really serve a purpose to complain about how the Packers let go a good player, right? It's after the fact. It's done. It's over with. Move on. And Scott, I agree with you. But when we break down this just a little bit more, I think there's some real meat and potatoes to get to in this conversation. Now, we always talked about McCarthy, and by extension, McCarthy's staff. So Sean Slocum on special teams, and then Ron Zook on special teams. The, the, the hate towards that group was they were never creative. They were stuck in their ways. They were stubborn. And when Mike McCarthy, up right up into the point where he was fired all year, the conversation, the national conversation was, he's been running the same offense since day one when he took over. Right? He has not changed, he has not adapted, he has not gotten creative at all. Now, on one hand, I want to defend Mike McCarthy, and on the other hand, I want to light him up for not being creative. Let me tell you what I mean. Being creative as a coach, you don't just be creative. Creativity does not spawn out of nowhere, right? What I mean is, in order for Mike McCarthy to be creative, he needs a player that allows him to be creative. Randall Cobb is a great example. When they drafted him in 2011, they lined him up in the backfield. They used him on kick returns. They did a lot of different things with him. He was a player that offered Mike McCarthy some room to be creative. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to be creative today. You would instead say, hey, we have a, 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 a very versatile player in Randall Cobb. Let's use him in different ways. Let's line him up in different places. Now, Randall Cobb kind of matures. He becomes less of that guy. He becomes more of a, a tried and true slot receiver. And Mike McCarthy kind of just reverts to his five wide, spread it out, win your one-on-ones, and Aaron Rodgers will get you the ball. And if not, he'll throw you open because he's that good. There wasn't a whole lot of creativity. One of the biggest things we've hated on the Packers is because they're not creative or they have bad special teams. Taysom Hill is a player that would have allowed them to be creative, that would allow them to do more things on special teams and be better on special teams. But you let this guy go, you let him walk, and then you turn around and the criticism is, well, there's no creativity. Special teams suck. There is a player right there. You walk right out the door that would have improved you in both of those categories. You would have given Mike McCarthy some freedom to do different things should he wanted to. I don't think he wanted to. And that's part of the reason why I think he went out the door. And part of that is Mike McCarthy stubbing his own toe, saying we don't have a spot for him. Let him move along. And well, now Mike McCarthy can't be creative because he doesn't have a unique player like that to play with. Now, we'll never know whose decision it was. Maybe Mike McCarthy wanted to keep Taysom Hill. I can't imagine, but maybe he did, and Ted Thompson said no. 
And if that's the case, it's a little different conversation. But two of the biggest knocks on the Packers this year was no creativity on offense and your special team stunk. There's one player right there that you had a year ago that would have been super effective in solving both of those problems. You could have done different things on offense. You could have shored up your special teams. You'd had a guy who would give you the flexibility to run fakes. He's a great gunner. He's a great return man. He's very sure-handed. And he's got a good he's got a good head. He's what's the word? Um when you talk about the brain, cerebral. <laughs> he has a great mind because he's a former quarterback. So maybe when he's returning a kick against the Rams, listen up here, Ron Zook and Packer fans, when he's returning a kick against the Rams with a minute to go and a timeout and down less than six points and Aaron Rodgers is going to get the ball, he probably would have had the presence of mind to say, all right, situational football, it really doesn't do us any good to run the kick out here. Not only because I blow the two-minute warning, but because I could risk fumbling. And then our best player, our most valuable player, Aaron Rodgers, doesn't get a chance to touch the ball. A a guy who would let the Packers be creative on offense. He would be sure-handed on special teams, and he would be kind of a mindful leader out there. He's a former quarterback. Now you let him quarterback the special teams, and you feel a little bit better about some of your personnel. In the past, the Packers have had special teams specialists like Jarrett Bush and Chris Banjo. Those guys are gone, and now you just have a random collection of special teams players. Jeff Janis is another example. A guy that you were confident on special teams. Well, Taysom Hill would have been that guy. But they let him walk out. And now Ron Zook's special teams are a dumpster fire. And McCarthy can't be creative. And he's a dude who would have solved two problems. One roster spot would have solved two problems. Oh, and by the way, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And if Sean Kaiser gets hurt. I'm pretty okay with Taysom Hill playing quarterback. The way he looked. Getting extended reps in training camp and in preseason a couple years ago. I just. This. Letting of Taysom Hill go. I'm not complaining about it to complain about it because he's gone. The Packers aren't getting him back. They had an opportunity and it's blown. It doesn't pay to just complain about it. But when you break it down, it, it it's just a microcosm of the end for both Ted Thompson and for Mike McCarthy and their unwillingness to adapt and change things up in a system that, yeah, had had a lot of sustained success, but they weren't willing to tweak weren't willing to just change it a, a little thing here or there. They didn't have to reinvent their whole offense, just a little thing here or there. 608-796-2558, Scott says, here we go. The mental gymnastics is truly remarkable. The same group bitching about Taysom Hill are the ones who have complained for years about drafting college guys out of p- position. So projecting a defensive end to offensive linebacker like 31 other teams do is bad, but keeping a 26-year-old without a position is an indictment on the front office and coaches. Scott, I, want, I actually agree with you. You are 100% correct. The problem is, is that Ted Thompson and by an extension, Mike McCarthy were perfectly okay with drafting a guy like Dayton Jones and playing him out of position or Demarius Randall and playing him out of position or Quentin Rollins and playing him out of position because they were, quote, football players, right? The, The position for some of these guys and some of these draft picks was irrelevant. They didn't care that Quentin Rollins was a basketball player longer than he played football. They liked his athleticism. They liked what he brought. They didn't care that Demarius Randall was a safety and not a corner. They liked his ability. They liked his bounce and attitude. So they were willing to draft him out of position in hopes that they could make him work where they wanted. If that's the thinking of Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, then they should have had absolutely no problem finding a role for Taysom Hill. But instead, they let him walk. Right, It's out of character for the Packers front office because they were okay with a guy like Quentin Rollins and Demarius Randall and Mike Neal and Dayton Jones and all of these guys who they played out of position because they liked their athleticism or they liked their reach or they liked their attitude. They liked him as a player. They just they were willing to find a space on the field for them. But yet they didn't do that with Taysom Hill. I am okay 
with getting creative in the way that you manage personnel. I've also hated on Ted Thompson for drafting Demarius Randall to play corner because I don't think it makes any sense. Asking a backup quarterback who's athletic as hell, has a really good mind and a, and a personality and a leader that you can trust on special teams or on offense, I'm okay with that, but you got to make it work. Ted Thompson tried to outthink the room with Quentin Rollins and Demarius Randall, and it blew up in his face. If you would have tried to make it work with Taysom Hill, I think it would have gone fine. My problem with the Packers is not putting square pegs in round holes, but it's failing at trying to put square pegs in round holes. It can be done. It can absolutely be done. If you like a player and think that your coaching staff can absorb him in a different position, that's fine, but it's it's got to work. And it didn't work for Ted Thompson. I think Taysom Hill could have worked. Just would have taken a little bit of creativity. Thank you, Scott, for your uh, for your response. 608-796-2558. Something that I want to watch going forward, and I was talking to this about Dave uh, right before the show started. I think that Taysom Hill is, is going to start a, a mini movement in the NFL. And Scott's probably hating hearing this. I, I think it's going to start a mini movement. And that is not that is not drafting a guy or keeping a guy in the roster to be a Swiss Army knife. I think that third quarterback spot is a roster spot that teams are going to start to utilize differently. I think you're going to have your starting quarterback. I think you're going to have your backup quarterback into Sean Kaiser. And I think general managers and front offices are going to say, how often do we actually play our third string quarterback? That That's a, a position on the roster that's just going to waste. It's just a player sitting there, not dressing for games. Why don't we try to do something with it? And why don't we try to draft a guy, maybe from a smaller school like BYU, who, who did a lot of different things. Maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe it's a wide receiver. For example, I'm talking to Dave about this. Draft JT Barrett. Keep him as your third-string quarterback, but instead of letting him sit on the sideline and never play, use him. Use him on special teams. Use him on sweet plays. Do a bunch of different things with him because that third quarterback spot is a spot on the roster that I think is going to start to be utilized differently. Maybe I'm wrong, and Taysom Hill is a flash in the pan. I don't think players... Like, let's say Taysom Hill was categorized as a running back or a wide receiver. That would be different. I don't think teams are going to go out of their way to try to find a Taysom Hill. But when managing that third quarterback spot, instead of having Tim Boyle... Go get somebody who's athletic and can offer you playing time in minutes at a different position. It's something that I want to watch moving forward because I think it could be a trend that's starting in the NFL. Uh, Scott says, Taysom Hill is a throwaway player for all the pro votes Jeff Janis got. Where is he now? Get your QB to get rid of the ball at the top of his drop. Tell him to hit checkdowns. That helps the team, not Taysom Hill. Scott, I agree. If Aaron Rodgers did all of those things... The Packers probably would be in the playoffs. And you know what? It wouldn't hurt to have Taysom Hill as well. You don't need to have him super involved every once in a while. Get him on the field as a decoy. Get him on the field. And by the way, Scott, I, I like how you mentioned Jeff Janis. I thought he was underutilized as well. Run him on a, Use him on a sweep play. Find a way to get your playmakers the ball. You have talented players, get him the ball, and I think good things happen. That's separate from the quarterback position. Bringing in Taysom Hill isn't going to screw up Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has some issues right now anyways. More talent is always better. And, and I'm, look, I'm not just to complain. I'm not here to complain to complain that they let Taysom Hill go. I mean, I'm over it. Well, maybe I'm not because we're talking about it. Maybe I'm not over it. But I think it's an interesting set of circumstances, and I think it's one that other teams might try to mirror and make use of that third quarterback spot on the roster in different ways, much like they're doing with Taysom Hill in New Orleans. I, I just think it's fascinating. And I think it's a microcosm of the end of Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay. Uh, speaking of the end of Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson's tenure in Green Bay, there was a very interesting tweet that was sent out by uh, by Aaron Nagler, somebody who used to write for Packers News. Now he is working. He's written for Sports Illustrated, Bleach Report. Now he's working for Cheesehead TV, where he uh, a, a news source and a blog that he started. And he had a, 
a fascinating tweet yesterday. I want to share that with you, and I responded to it on my Twitter account. You can follow me at KeystrokerGrand, and it's a topic of conversation that is perfect for an offseason where the Packers aren't doing anything, where they're not playing games, where they're not chasing a Super Bowl. It's something I want to talk about. It's something I want to cover. It's a tweet, and I think it's a, a really good piece of, well, mental gymnastics, as Mr. Stack put it on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. If you could go back and do this all over again, would you? And if you could do something differently, what exactly would it be? I'll tell you my take. Maybe you'll have one as well. We wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just hopping in your car, you are just tuning in. You can always catch up on previous portions of the show at WKTYsports.com, i.e. we're talking about a little little bit of the Patriots. We just uh, talked about Taysom Hill. We talked about the weekend that was to begin the show. If you missed any of that and you want to check it out, check it out at WKTYsports.com. And by the way, if you are just getting in your car, you probably realize it is quite slippery outside, so I don't want to be that uh, that cliche radio guy who says, slow down out there, give yourself some extra time, but be, be careful. I almost fell like three times walking into the building. A little bit of breaking news that broke about a half hour ago or so. We talked about it briefly, but mostly we're, we're going to have to wait for more news and details to emerge. The backers have their offensive coordinator. It's Nathaniel Hackett, who's been in Jacksonville the last couple of years, and I was perusing Twitter uh, on our break, and I saw Ebo, who's been here on the show a couple of times, host the Joe and Ebo show on our sister station, The Zone, over in Madison, tweeted this. Packers' new OC, Nathaniel Hackett, got Blake Bortles to an AFC championship game. That dude deserves a statue built in his honor outside of the Jaguar Stadium for the accomplishment alone. So there you go. There's some there's some positivity, and I, I guess there is reason to be excited when you put it that way. So we'll learn more, uh, and, and we'll try to figure out more about the Packers' offensive the new offensive coordinator as the uh, as the week goes on. Speaking of Twitter, there was a very interesting tweet that was sent by Aaron Nagler, who now works at Cheesehead TV. He's been at PackersNews.com, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, all these certain things. And he, he tweeted, I believe it was yesterday, 6.30 January 14th. Never mind, it was this morning. It was this morning. So this is what he had to say, and I thought it was really interesting. And it's one of these off-season discussions that I love to have. So this is what he said. More and more... Quietly signing McCarthy to a one-year extension two years ago looks worse and worse for Murphy. Of course, if Lafleur wins big, no one will care. But sitting here in early 2019, the 2018 season looks like one big waste of time. And I was like, wow, I love that take. Because last year essentially was kind of a waste of time. It was kind of a trial run. The Packers said, we're going to dump our defensive coordinator. We're going to dump our general manager. And we are pushing our chips to the middle of the table to see, hey, Maybe Mike McCarthy's not the problem. Let's give him one more shot. And it ended up being kind of a waste of a year. Well, it was definitely a waste of a year. The Packers wanted to see if McCarthy could fix it. It was kind of a trial run. And he couldn't. They fired him before the season even ended just to get a jump on the head coaching search. They don't make the playoffs. And we really don't know any more about the Green Bay Packers. We actually know less because now new coaches are coming in than when we started this season. And I actually quoted the tweet. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Grand. This is what I said. I said, I think if Murphy could run it back... Knowing what we know now, he would have made the move right after the 2014 NFC Championship game. Here's why, and let's talk about it a little bit. So in 2014, the Packers, that that was as dominant as I've seen the Packers look. Not Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers as a whole. They had a very good, balanced roster. They had decent special teams, still not great special teams, but their defense was good. 
Clay Matthews had just moved back to the inside and had experienced a little bit of a career renaissance. He was playing the best I think I've ever seen him play. Julius Peppers was playing amazing. Charles Woodson, or not Charles Woodson, excuse me. But their secondary was good. Hawkland Dix was still young at this time. He was balling out. And they just, they looked good. Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, Tremont Williams, they were all playing well. They had a good defense. And they had a deep offense. Jordy Nelson had his best season of his career. And a little bit of a running game to boot as well. I just liked what they were doing on offense. And they blew it in Seattle. I'm not saying that's an indictment of McCarthy, but that's how it shook out. That team should have been in the Super Bowl. Now, after that year, they experienced a little bit of a talent drain. Some players walked like Casey Hayward. And then the next year, they, they don't really experience the magic, right? They make it to the playoffs. I believe they beat Washington, and then they lose to Arizona with the, with the fail Marys. And that year was the year that all the wide receivers got hurt. So it was pretty. It was, it was tough for them to win. He was throwing to Jeff Janis. He was throwing to Jared Aberderis in the playoff game. They made the playoffs, but what did it really mean? And then the next year, they start four and six, and then they run the table. And don't get me wrong, they made it to the NFC Championship game, which can't be understated. That just doesn't happen. But they did so on the back of an Aaron Rodgers, who at that time was playing the best I have ever seen a quarterback play. That stretch of wins when they ran the table and then made it to the NFC Championship game was the most impressive display of quarterback play I have ever seen in my life. But the roster stunk. Their best cornerback was Ladarius Gunter. They didn't have a run game. It was a disadvantaged team that really had no shot to win a Super Bowl, even though they made it darn close with Aaron Rodgers. They ran into a buzzsaw because Atlanta was that much better. Take you to the next year, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. That's of a waste of a year. And then this year, they took McCarthy for one final trial run, like I said, and they waste that year. So tell me, after 2014, has this Packers team really been in a position to compete for a championship? And I would say no. I'd absolutely say no. 2015, Aaron Rodgers looked bad. They made the playoffs, but weren't one of the best couple of teams. They run the table, and they were destroyed by a team that was much better because Aaron Rodgers just could not play Jesus one last time and push them over the final hump to get to the Super Bowl. And last year, he gets hurt. And then this year, the organization was trying to figure out whether they liked Mike McCarthy still or not, when they should have just fired him before the year started. I think if I was running in the Packers' front office, and look, hindsight is 2020, right? That's the biggest cliche in sports. But let's say we are gifted with the perspective of hindsight and we know what we know now and we know how the last three seasons have shook out. Wouldn't it have just made the most sense to do it after the 2014 NFC Championship game? Cut it off there and start again. Because since then, nothing has gone right. The Packers haven't been in a position to contend. They really haven't even been close, especially the last two years. 2016 was one thing because Aaron Rodgers was playing at an absolutely stratospheric level. But since then... It's been pretty ugly. And I think if Mark Murphy, and and by an extension, I guess at the time, Ted Thompson, but now Brian Gutekinds, could go back, it would make most sense to, to part ways at the end of that 2014 season. And it would have been a bad look, right? Because the Packers had just made it within minutes from the Super Bowl, even though I think a lot of that loss fell on Mike McCarthy. It would have just made sense to cut bait there, knowing what we know now. And like I said, I'm, I'm talking about this Aaron Negler tweet that I thought was really well-written and, and well-done, is a good thought. Signing McCarthy to a one-year extension two years ago looks worse and worse for Murphy. Of course, Lafleur wins big, no one cares. But sitting here early in 2019, the 2018 season looks like one big waste of time. I would argue that the 2017 season was a big waste of time because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Turns out Brett Hundley stinks or wasn't the quarterback we thought. Nobody thought he was Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, but we thought maybe he could at least be Matt Castle. That turned out as a no. And then the year before that, there wasn't enough talent on that team to 
even make the playoffs. The only reason they made it was because Aaron Rodgers was God in that that stretch of games. And I'm not exaggerating. That was the best stretch of quarterback play I've ever seen. And and it went on for a while. They ran the table and won three playoff games. I just I there has not been a worthwhile season since 2014. And I think the Packers dragging their feet on what started to feel more and more inevitable in both letting go Ted Thompson as a general manager and Mark McCarthy as the head coach. I don't want to say it's too little too late, but Mal LaFleur is in a spot now where if he doesn't win immediately, Aaron Rodgers is going to expire and you're going to be back to square one. And these last three years you saw in 2016, Aaron Rodgers had that in him. Good Lord, imagine if there would have been a worthwhile roster around him. Oh my God. It's just these last couple of years have felt like a big waste. And I think it's because the Packers drug their feet on what started to feel more and more like the inevitable. It may have not felt like that in 2014, but as you kept going, season after season, injuries, no talent, injuries, no talent, coaching deficiencies, it just would have been better to cut bait early. That's all I'm saying. Tomorrow we're going to talk some Brewers baseball, hot stove, continue to talk about these Packers coaching staff additions, and you know what? UWL basketball had a hell of a win this weekend. We're going to get into that tomorrow as well. Same time, same place. I'll talk to you then. (laughs) 